This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hi, I'm David Hirsch, and when I'm not hosting the Dad-to-Dad podcast for the Special Fathers Network, which is a Dad-to-Dad mentoring program for fathers raising kids with special needs, I'm Stacking Benjamins. From Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and happy President's Day, people. Who's up for Doug 2020? I'll give you the important campaign details later. But all you have to know for now is that I'll be keeping my promise to you that we'll have a bright 2020 and beyond when I'm elected. And to demonstrate, I'll bring you the woman who'll let your entrepreneurial spirit run free, author of the new Wildpreneur's book, Tamara Jacoby. Plus, with all the talk of coronavirus in the news, is your portfolio in danger of becoming infected? While we don't know anything about healthcare, we can help protect your portfolio by talking with Chris Cook, president of Beacon Capital Management, on what you can do investment-wise. If that wasn't enough, we've also completed our own basement-approved study on what's been the most surprising things busting your New Year budgets. Of course, we'll also save time for, you guessed it, my incredible trivia. And now, two guys who couldn't tell you the difference between a financial disclosure report and a form 4868, Joe and O. I take umbrage with that, Doug. Umbrage. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the I Wish I Knew What Umbrage Meant, But It Sounded Good There podcast. I'm Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And uh, happy President's Day to you, Mr. OG. It took you all week to come up with some sort of retort to that. I'm sorry, Doug said what he was going to say. He told you what he was going to tell you. <laughs> and then you're like, I have to think of something. And it took you all week to thumb through this thesaurus. Uh, you know what the best part about President's Day is? Oh, boy. The fact that we have presidents. God bless America. Well, yeah, well, there's that. You know, every day is President's Day. It's like Mother's Day. Every day should be President's Day. We should be thankful and grateful for Do you our think- union. I was going to say the reason I like President's Day is because if you go to CVS right now, you can get a crap load of Valentine's Day candy for like nickels, man. It is really awesome. So that's how I'm celebrating President's Day. This race that I used to help put on in Texarkana, big shout out to the Run the Line Half Marathon that went off. Oh, I thought you were talking about like a mayoral campaign or something. No. <laughs> no, actually a half marathon that I Physical used to help put race, on. A running of some kind. We would go, usually the event was on around the 16th, like it was this year. 
And uh, the day after Valentine's, we would go get all this chocolate for the finish line for, for just nothing. Fantastic. Happy discount chocolate day. Everybody's mm-hmm. all chocolated up, which is fantastic. Might be a good day to go interview some people. Big thanks to Indeed for supporting Stacky Benjamins. Are you hiring? With Indeed, you can post a job in minutes, set up screener questions, and zero in on your shortlist of qualified candidates using an online dashboard. Get started today at Indeed dot com slash sb and if you're so pumped full of chocolate that you decide to become an artist a creator or somebody that wants to hire an artist or creator big thanks to fiverr for supporting stacking benjamins it's so easy to find freelance talent for your business or product don't waste any more time get 10 percent off and the service you deserve by going to fiverr.com f-i-v-e-r-r.com and use code sb We've got Tamara Jacoby here. We're going to the jungle, OG. I'm so excited for anybody that has ever had big, audacious goals. Man, today we're talking to you. But first, we've got some headlines. So let's get moving. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins Headlines. Our first headline comes to us from USA Today and is written by Jessica Menton. Hidden accounts, secret debts, and quiet overspending. Why are we hiding our personal finances from loved ones? I can answer that because I don't want her to know. Duh. If I wanted her to know I was spending all that cash, I would tell her. End of story. Drop the mic. (laughs) Maybe that's not the answer to the universe right there, but I'll read the piece. While romance may be brewing after Valentine's Day, so are some dirty secrets. About 44% of U.S. adults admit to hiding a bank account or debt or to spending more money than their partner would be comfortable with, according to a new study from CreditCards.com, which surveyed a bunch of people who are married in a civil partnership or living with their partner. Who doesn't have a little sock drawer money? Don't you have a little stash of cash? No, no. Go bag? No. (laughs) What if things go really haywire and you got to get out of town quick? I think it's time for a therapist at that point. Maybe talk through some stuff if you feel like you might have to bail on the relationship. How how are you going to pay for the therapist if you don't have any cash? That's a good point. Well, no, no, no. Or like the casino. Head there on the way home from work. You and I know a guy who used to go to the casino after work. Yeah, me. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't talking about that guy. There was another guy. That's funny because he was in... I went every Wednesday at noon. It was my lunch break. He was in your office. I would start with 300 bucks and I would leave as soon as I got to 400 because I 3% return on my money. You know, it's science. It's just math, dude. (laughs) Easy peasy. Let's make a little more. I had a particularly great streak going on for a while and... My wife went to put away some stuff. I had a little tie rack, you know, one of those little tie rack things that had little, yeah. to put your cufflinks up in the top or whatever. Yeah. And that's where I stashed my cash. So she opens up this thing and like hundreds come springing out of it to the tune of like 3,500 bucks. She's like, <laughs> what in the hell is this? I'm like, you know, early retirement. <laughs> Just I'm fired. I'm firing by going to the casino. You I sh- just got to go a few more times. <laughs> You should have sat her down and said, okay, it's no big deal. Just maybe by way of introduction, have you ever seen Breaking Bad? Well, this was long before Breaking Bad. This was circa 2002. So this was uh, long before any of that sort of stuff. 
but uh, she did not accept my casino answer as being a solid choice for our family finances. And the Wednesday casino trips stopped. It ceased immediately. But that- this week is cool, or should I stop next week? One last hurrah. And I do, I do believe that it ended with me having a hundred dollars in my pocket and she having thirty four hundred in her pocket. So, well, to your point, I, I shouldn't even say to your point on anything you just said. Don't do any of that. Don't do any of that. This piece says: So, why are people committing financial infidelity? More than one third say they do it for privacy or a desire to control their own finances, or because I was going to double down. Damn it! <laughs> I had a good thing going. <laughs> Money is such a taboo, said Ted Rossman, an industry analyst at CreditCards.com. People would rather talk about other uncomfortable topics like religion or political views than money. This is really unfortunate because hiding that kind of a secret can hold back your financial future and undermine trust. You know, I can see hiding or not hiding, but not talking about religious or political stuff much more than I can see not talking about money people, issues. But, but, but people do it the other way. They're like, I can't tell you how much money I make, but have you seen this growth on my neck? Right. I went to the doctor and this thing is really bad. <laughs> Here, touch you know, it. You're like, exactly. Does this smell funny? It's like, <laughs> like no, dude. But if you tell somebody that you're $10,000 in credit card debt, you got to really have a special meeting for that or a special relationship. But you'll sit next to somebody on the bus and be like, just got back from getting my bunions fixed. You know, it's like, what the hell? Can you see Mrs. OG comes home and you've got candles around the bed and you've got rose petals all over it. And she takes one look at you and goes, you just found out your credit score, didn't you? It's above 580. Hooray, go me. But <laughs> this is a great day I just for think us. It's funny. I just think it's funny. You've got older parents too. And I think about all the stuff that goes wrong with their health. And I've been told every gory detail about every person in my family's health. All the aunts and uncles are like, well, this aunt's doing this again. You know, send a prayer. You're like, gosh, I don't need to know any of that. Like, just <laughs> grandma's sick. That's good enough. Like, I don't need to know, like, what's going on. Grandma's sick, send a prayer. It's good enough for me. Yeah, that, I know, right? Yeah. But then, and I do this for work, right? So I have a at least a tolerable sense of, like, how to solve people's money problems. And it's like, you don't hear any of that stuff until it's super too late. And you're, and you're going... You did what with your money? Why, why didn't that come up in the conversation? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Lots of, not just privacy, guilt, uh, all kinds of stuff. You know, Cheryl and I had a similar thing, maybe to a lesser degree than head into the casino on Wednesday, but she would- get, Nothing wrong with it. She would- uh, Very profitable. Continue to bring home, this is before streaming, so everybody gather around the campfire for Joe's old guy story. Remember the days before streaming, OG, way back- 2000, yes, tapes. 2007, remember those days? Mm-hmm. Uh, back then, whenever we'd go see a movie that she liked, then she'd be at the grocery store and they would have it sitting in the grocery store aisle. She'd pick up a copy of it and bring that thing home and then never watch it. And so we had just DVD on top of DVD on top of we had so We had this huge library of DVDs. That never got watched. And as soon as Netflix or or Apple decides to cancel your subscription, you are going to be happy <laughs> that you have Armageddon it, on DVD. I, I'm going to invite the neighbors over like it's a blind pig. 
but it's going to be for DVDs. It's going to be like, hey, uh, listen, uh, Netflix uh, just went bankrupt. Can we cut 10 bucks? 10 bucks. Cheryl's got them all. Got them all. Yep. But then on the other side, so I would get really frustrated. I'm like, we didn't need to spend that 10, 12, whatever bucks on that you know, DVD. You're never going to watch it. Maybe you watch it once. Why wouldn't we just rent it? And then I would come home with the next board game. And she would give me the touche. Mm-hmm. Another and, board game, huh? Yeah. And so, so I got to tell you what solved our issue. I mean, A, you know, we've talked about the fact that, that we like to have this weekly meeting. Really, that solved it more than anything. But we also had added to our budget an allowance line. Cheryl had X amount of money. I wasn't allowed to comment. DVDs made her happy. For me, a board game made me happy. Not allowed to comment. We had X amount of money that was just, if it was legal, it was fine. And that solved everything. Then she came home with the DVD and I went, you know, that makes her happy. Communication. Communication for the win. Especially if you're in a relationship with money. I understand that some people don't care about it. Some people don't want to spend time on it. Everybody's got different roles in the household. But take the fifth, you know, it's 15 minutes. I was talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago and I said, you know, you're 40 years old. You want to retire when you're 60. And in our business, we talk to people every six months. And I said, so if we talk to you every six months for the next 20 years for an hour about your retirement, we will spend a grand total together. Obviously, we spend time separately, but we'll spend a grand total together of 40 hours, basically one work week thinking about your retirement between now and retirement. That is a not an awful lot of time to invest in making sure the next 40 years goes pretty well. So you got to take it seriously, you know, and if you don't, and if you get a few years down the line, all of a sudden, that's when you look up and go, gosh, I thought I'd start saving when I was 25 and now I'm 35, or I thought I'd start when I was 40 and now I'm 50. Just have a 15 minute meeting once a week like you guys do. And it's super fast and super easy. That's what I would vote for. And in our second headline, man, this isn't one headline, OG. This is all the headlines lately. It looks like coronavirus not only is absolutely horrible when it comes to every day worse and worse and worse things happening to people, but also, man, if you read financial news, all I read about is how coronavirus is going to affect your portfolio. So that's the question. How will it affect our portfolio and what can we do about it? On Dad Shortwave is Chris Cook, president of Beacon Capital Management. Chris, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Good morning. Well, I'm sure that you guys have uh, clients and people you work with talking about coronavirus, I would guess, the last couple of weeks more and more as well. We do. We do. Every day we're getting questions about it. Yeah. So what do you answer? How do you be the voice of reason for people? Well, it's kind of hard right now because, like you said, every headline that comes out is that, you know, this is going to be the, the end of the world again. And it's hard to fight that when there's so much noise going on out there, but uh, it's the headline on every news station. So what we're trying to talk about is we've seen this before. And in fact, we've seen it from China before with SARS back in 2003. We will probably get a blip in the market sooner or later because you've got the second largest economy really slowing down. In fact, they've got many pretty large population centers that are virtually shut down completely in quarantine. 
So that's going to affect some supply channels to a lot of companies that our clients are investing in, but it's generally short-lived. Once the, the virus gets contained and they get a vaccination, we're going to see a spike. All that demand that was built up over that time frame is going to come flooding back through, and that's usually the pattern that we see. Yeah. And, and it sounds like then, Chris, the best thing we can do then, I would imagine, would be to keep a long-term perspective. But if I'm worried about short-term and taking big losses, I know you've got some things that people might be able to do, employ in their portfolio to help them kind of guard against this. Absolutely. The first line of defense is always going to be diversification. So you're going to want to diversify your portfolio across as many sectors as you can in the economy. In our case, we take the economy, it's divided into 11 sectors, and we invest equally across all of them. So we're not making any bet on any one particular sector. So if one is getting affected by China, hopefully another one like uh, utilities and real estate or something here more domestically are holding up. The second line of defense is our stop loss. We recommend for every client to have some kind of a stop loss built on their portfolio so that if the market does keep chugging along like it is right now, I mean, we're, we're at new highs right now, even though this virus is hitting all the headlines. So we're participating, but if that virus does turn into something much more than we anticipate, you have some protection. You know what you're going to do before you have to do it. Well, that's a great point. And it's funny, Chris, because a lot of the time people will ask us, what's the difference between a mutual fund, an index fund, and an ETF, both of them tracking a passive index? And usually we'll say no difference. But here, when it comes to stop losses, it's my understanding we really have to have the exchange-traded fund to do that. We do. That makes it much easier to employ a stop loss. However, even if you're investing in a mutual fund, you can do it at the close or the next day. So if you feel like you've gotten to that point of a stop loss, in our case, we like to use 10%. So if that mutual fund or ETF is dropped by 10% from its high, then we will trigger that stop. An ETF, we can do it that day. The mutual fund, just do it the next day. Yeah. How hard is it then if I trigger my stop loss because I've had enough? The hard part, as you know, Chris, is when do I get back in? How do I decide when to put my money back to work for me if I use that strategy? The buyback is the hardest part uh, of a stop loss plan, trying to figure out when to get back into the market after it's fallen so much because we're scared at that point. In our case, we like to look at the market and how long did it take it to reach that bottom. The longer it took to reach that bottom, the more confidence we need to get back in. So if it happens quickly, just a quick little blip, we're going to get back into the market pretty fast. If it takes a long time, like a true bear market, like the dot-com bubble or the financial crisis, we're going to need a lot of confidence and a pretty strong rebound before we get back in. Boy, I remember that dot-com bubble as an older guy doing this, and it seemed like you know, you'd know you have stop-loss hit, and then you get back in, and it would hit again and hit again. So to your point, yeah, you you with that long, what, two-year slide, that could be forever. It can be, and that's the important part. You do not want to get back in too fast, because if you end up dropping again and you get out again, well, now you've got this whipsaw effect that just compounds your problem. So... 
you really have to have some discipline, not only on the sell, but the buy side. Well, and that's what I like about your third point here that you have for us, which is to maintain discipline by having a more mechanical approach. Absolutely. We really believe in a rules-based approach because when you're in the middle of it, emotions start to play in, and especially investors when they're dealing with their life savings in many cases, it's nerve-wracking. And most humans, we just don't make very good decisions when when we're in an emotional or panic-type state. Any other tips to help us get through this, Chris? Really just patience and try to not pay so much attention to the headlines. The news is really designed to get your attention so that you watch or read those headlines. I, 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 I love that. And as you know, it's so hard to not click it. I mean, I know as a guy who's been in this for a while, like you, Chris, just, I see the headline and I go, Nope, don't touch, don't touch. No, I touched it. Exactly. <laughs> it's hard to walk away. <laughs> I do it myself. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about what you guys do at Beacon Capital Management. Uh, Beacon, we help other professionals, other financial advisors work with their clients and manage assets. So right now we work with about 900 advisors around the country, and we manage about $3.5 billion for folks. To $3.5 so not that much. No. Yeah. yeah, not that much at all. <laughs> so if somebody's a financial advisor then listening to this and they want more information about you guys, where do they find you? They can find us at beaconinvesting.com. Awesome. And you know what, guys, if you are walking the dog or you are on your commute, we got you covered. We'll have uh, links to Chris and Beacon Capital Management on our show notes page at stackybedjamins.com. Chris, thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes and helping talk us off the ledge on this one. You're welcome. Thank you. You know, OG, so important to just focus on that big goal, right? And you've got all these other tasks that you need to do. Maybe somebody else should do those. And when you start that hiring process, you may have questions. Will you find good applicants to choose from? Where? What about education and experience? And how will you know that you've made the right hire Indeed is here to help. Millions of great candidates use Indeed every day to find their next opportunity. Will you find good applicants to choose from? Where? What about education and experience? And how will you know you've made the right hire? Indeed is here to help. Millions of great candidates use Indeed every day to find their next opportunity. You can post a job in minutes and use screener questions to help you create your short list of applicants fast. Sponsored jobs on Indeed accelerate the hiring process even further boosting your post with premium placement, relevant search results, helping you reach even more applicants. Indeed gives you the smart tools to make hiring decisions quickly and to become confident that you're making the right hire for your team. Post your job today at indeed.com forward slash SB and find out why more than 3 million companies use Indeed for hiring. Post your job today at indeed.com forward slash SB. Find out why more than 3 million companies use Indeed for hiring. That's indeed.com forward slash SB. I think our takeaways don't get messed up with the coronavirus. Well, that's that's a good takeaway on more than one front, I think, OG. And I think the second takeaway is hiding money from your spouse or loved one. Not a great way to uh, end Valentine's Day weekend. Tamer Jacoby did something 
that, man, I would have loved to do. I had so many ideas right out of college, OG, about big things that I was going to do. And guess how many of those I did? None of them. And a lot of it was because of fear. Tamara now is the owner and proprietor of Tailwind Jungle Lodge, just north of Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. It's literally cut into the jungle. She and her family, people call them the Swiss Family Robinson of the, nice. of the jungle in Mexico. She's got a new book out called Wildpreneur. And you know what? That's her as a wildpreneur. And even if you're not somebody who has ever thought about becoming an entrepreneur, still pushing to get those things that you want, fighting through fear, setting a plan, so many lessons I learned from Tamara. You're about to learn some too, because she is upstairs talking to mom. Let's say hello to Tamara Jacoby coming down to the basement. And coming down the stairs to the basement, it's our new friend, Tamara Jacoby, back from the wilderness. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. I feel like I'm not in the jungle anymore. No, you, well, you, not the jungle. However, when you're in the basement, some people get a little worried, so... Well, I think it's a comfy basement from what I can tell. It looks like there's much inspiration flowing through these walls. Well, it is a comfy basement. And to that end, there's snow outside here. When I think about somebody who's in the jungle, Tamara, I think you're somebody from the South who's enjoyed the jungle. No, 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 no. I start diving into your book. (laughs) Tell me about where you grew up. So I was born in Vermont. I'm a Northeast girl and I survived many a cold Vermont winter. So I actually miss the snow. You know, I do love life in the jungle, but I've become a tropical girl and I've got to do my northern trips. I'm actually for book tour headed up to British Columbia and, you know, part book tour, part fun. Right, right. My little baby wants to see what this whole snow thing is all about. You might find a way to get skiing while you're there, I'm sure. There may be a ski day or two. (laughs) Gotta sneak it in. Little work, little play. So you are in college. And what I find fascinating is where people get their inspiration. And it looks like to me, there's a couple places you got inspiration. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you talk about a class you took on entrepreneurship while you were in college. Was that really the germ or was the germ before that just growing up in your wild family with your crazy parents? (laughs) Well, that's definitely a big part of it. My parents are very free spirited and, you know, their idea of a family vacation was to climb the Mexican volcanoes or one summer we biked from Jackson Hole, Wyoming to El Paso, Texas, you know, carrying all of our stuff. So this was two months of biking and carrying all of our food. And so that's where the wild element of my history comes in. And then the entrepreneurship part came at Middlebury College when I signed up for that class. And my father on these family trips, he'd often dreamt of, you know, a family business but really had no idea what shape that would take. And I'm very much a doer. And I said, all right, well, there's this class and I'm going to write a business plan. And so talk about snow for my graduation day. I graduated in February in Vermont. So full outfit, cap and gown, skiing down the mountain. And I had this business plan for my wild idea in one hand for a jungle lodge and a Wall Street job opportunity in the other. And that was my fork in the road where I had to just listen and ask myself, what makes me come alive? You know, what is my heart telling me? And so that's where the wildpreneur journey really began. You said you you applied at Goldman Sachs and they gave you an offer. So you're you're skiing down the hill and you've got this <laughs> offer from Goldman Sachs and you have this idea for a lodge in the middle of the jungle at the same time. Yeah. And I really did have to think pretty hard about that because those are radically different life paths. And I'd like to think I'm the kind of person that would be happy wherever I ended up. 
But that was a moment of, wow, this is really a pivotal decision where I decide to go. Had you ever been to the spot where Tailwind is now? Yeah, so I grew up vacationing in Mexico. My dad was a surfer down here in the 60s. And so Mexico had a place in my heart, more so in his heart and by osmosis, you know, he passed that on to me. We fell in love with this stretch of coastline is really jungly, which a lot of Mexico is kind of the cacti. Yeah, yeah. You think of the Mexican sleeping under the cacti with the big sombrero. And this is a very different coastline, super lush. And so the jungle had captured some of my heart. I saw it again when I was at Middlebury studying. And so this idea was kind of percolating and they decided to invest. They mortgaged their home and decided to buy this piece of jungle. And I said, all right, let's do something with this. You know, there's an awesome opportunity here. So I took my little bit of savings and bought some used girl guide tents. I mean, have you ever stayed at a, are you a boy scout? I was a cub scout. I made it to my wolf badge. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, very good. (laughs) I mean, the canvas tents, you know, you kind of see them all over the place. And so I bought a couple of those and we just... Poco a poco, they say in Mexico, is slowly but surely has been our mantra. And 15 years later, we've got this thriving eco-lodge. We had our first camping adventure with my twins. We went to this place in Indiana, this cool state park. And my father-in-law gave us one of those canvas tents. And Uh we kept telling our twins, who were maybe four at the time, don't touch the top because it was raining like hell. Of course, the first time we go camping with the twins, it rains like hell. And we're like, don't touch the tent. So, <laughs> yeah, so no, immediate, yeah. immediate, luck. yes, immediately, Tamara, you know what happened. All of a sudden I look over and my son, Nick is oh, poking no. the top of the tent. Well, it's just too tempting, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And then, and then we had a, we had a downpour inside the tent. We end up leaving at like three o'clock in the morning for home just wadding it up and throwing it back in the minivan. But yeah. Yes. And you know what? We've had some unusual rain this year in the jungle and we have groups that come, you know, yoga groups from Brooklyn. And so I've learned to embrace the challenges that the jungle brings and no mud, no Lotus, you know, figuratively and literally these people show up with their Lululemon tights, you know, ready to do yoga and the rain comes and the tent gets wet and they get super muddy, but it's transformative. You know, they come out with this adventure story like they've accomplished something. And so that's part of the wildpreneur spirit as well is, you know, getting dirty and getting gritty. And then at the end of the day, you find this super sweet life experience. Yeah. Uh, and and that's the and you quote that a lot. No mud, no lotus. Yeah. And I'd never heard that before. But, oh, really? But so to go back over that again, just in case anybody missed it, if you don't get dirty, I guess that means if you don't get dirty, nothing happens. Well, not necessarily nothing happens, but the destination sure is a lot less sweet. (laughs) You know, it's almost like you got to put in your knocks to get to that summit. And the challenge is part of the beauty of the journey. I guess I grew up with that. I'm a little bit of a glutton for challenge. But if it was boring, a lot of wild printers probably wouldn't do it. You know? Yeah. Let's talk about your business plan. So you're in college. You have the idea for the jungle. Tell me about that original business plan, because I bet that business plan is a lot different than what actually ended up happening. Yeah, it wasn't even close. You know, I really, Middlebury, I love the school, but it was very much about productivity and probably very much about your background with finance and investors. And if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you know, here's the strategy. Here's the way you have to do it to go big. In my book, chapter one is actually called Baja Daydreamer because I took that business plan and instead of going straight to the jungle, my dad was turning 60 and he said, well, I want to do another big family trip. 
And you were and, and, and by the way, before you get into it, you weren't happy about this trip. I mean, it no. sounds like you were just placating him. <laughs> I totally was. I was so ready to get started. You know, I was really anxious and excited to dive into this business. And he's like, no, 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 no. We have other things to do. You have no other commitments and your responsibility as a daughter is to come with me on this trip, essentially. And, you know, I'm so glad that I did. It was brutal and blissful, you know, as I talk about the wind and my jungle lodge ended up being called tailwind because we just battled these brutal headwinds and you go back to the basics of survival. But at the same time, we were on the water for eight to 10 hours a day. And it was just this incredible opportunity to daydream and really explore the possibilities for that business plan that I had written. And my dad is very much about simple living. His lifestyle is very simple. And so we toned it down. We scaled it way back. We decided no investors were just going to build as we could afford it, poco a poco. And this was such a blessing for me, you know, to take it a little bit slower. For a family from Vermont, we had no idea what we were doing in the jungle. So if we had built all at once, which was my original proposal and my business plan, we would have been a complete failure because <laughs> we would have done it all wrong. You know, and instead we became masters of artful mistake making because we were able to learn as we went along. And so I'm so grateful that I took the time to daydream and really poke holes in the business plan and and see where it would morph and what it would turn into. So it would actually be a good exercise to go back and review my original business plan because I don't think I've done that since I skied down the Middlebury Snowball. Yeah, as I was reading, I'm like, I bet it looks a lot different. Your dad, getting to getting to your dad you have advice from different entrepreneurs throughout the book, but your dad is the first one where you kind of have an, an aside where you go to him. And I want to highlight some of his advice. He said to go as slowly as you can afford to is like his mm -hmm. number one piece of advice. Most entrepreneurs, to your point, Tamara, <laughs> it's about going as fast as you can, right? How do I get more? Yeah. How, do, how do I get more? His advice is so counter to what you usually hear. What's the gold in that advice to go as slow as you can afford to? There's a couple elements to that. You know, for, for us as a family, I think it was a lot about making time to have a quality of life. You know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, and you probably see it on a regular basis in your world, is the high speed living and high stress and attached to your devices. And my dad is the antithesis to that. He doesn't even own a cell phone, right? Which... <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that for entrepreneurs, but well, you and he, you and he had a, to your point, you and he had this big fight about whether you were even going to have internet at, at tailwind totally or not. Did. Yeah. And we didn't have internet for the first six years. So that was definitely a challenge. Um, and the internet's still not great in the jungle, you know, but it's about quality of life. And we really wanted to maintain that joy and that happiness. And I think having time to go surf whenever we want, you know, or go on a family kayak paddle or whatever it is has made it sustainable for us. We have prevented burnout because we've been so balanced in that regard. And uh, not to say that it's been an easy journey and that I've never experienced burnout because I definitely have had moments from what am I doing in the jungle, you know? <laughs> but no, I think going slow gives you time to first think about the process, have that artful mistake-making practice where, you know, you don't make a mistake that's so big that it destroys your effort. So each lesson is a stepping stone, you know, it's not failure, it's stepping stones. And then you also have this beautiful quality of life along the way. And so there's wild printers in all shapes and sizes that are doing this. And yeah, you also don't dig such a big hole of debt that way. Yeah. You know, I think that was another key point. I'm sure you can relate to that in many of the people you have on this show. 
is we don't have a lot of debt. You know, we don't, first of all, we don't have a super expensive lifestyle either. We're very simple. And I think I shared it in the book, you know, I lived in a tent, right. <laughs> like not even a Girl Scout tent, like a camping <laughs> tent, a backpacking tent for a long time, which I know I wouldn't recommend that necessarily, but it was, it was manageable for me for a long time. That almost sounds like me in movies. Like there's some movies I know I like, but I know you won't like them for you. I think <laughs> you love living in a tent. However, it might not be for everybody. No. And the idea is just if you can lower your expense, your lifestyle expense, then you can afford to do some of these creative wild ideas. You know, One thing that's interesting that you bring up very early in the book is the idea of a wildpreneur really is not an entrepreneurial idea. It's for anybody who has goals and dreams. Talk to that for a second. Yeah. So I've kind of boiled it down since I wrote the book. I've done some even more thinking on this. And it really is. It's about having a wish a wild idea, kind of setting your intention around how you want to live your life is taking that pause, you know, not just going through the motions, going through the grind daily, but actually making space. And Ariana Huffington wrote this in Thrive is, you know, the culture of speed, we need to slow down. And so to listen to what you really want and take a pause. So that's the wish. And then the wildpreneur approach is very much the no mud, no lotus. You know, if there's something that you believe in, you got to get dirty, get gritty and perseverance is really the secret to success. I'm not super talented. I had no idea how to do anything in hospitality, but I stuck with it, you know, and I made mistake after mistake, but I persevered. And the third, and this is something that's beautiful that I've noticed with wildpreneurs across the board is this love, this passion, this inspiration. And it's the wisdom. I call that the third W. So it's wish, wildpreneur approach, and wisdom. And this wisdom is a holistic approach. You know, it's not just about profit. It's about the triple bottom line, people, planet and profit. It's about community and synergies and sustainability. And so that strategy, the three W's can be applied to really anything that you're chasing in life. While you're talking, one thing that always frustrated me, Tamara, when I was a financial planner was people always had these ideas. They had these great ideas like, let's go build a great place in the jungle, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's yeah. off the mat. And, and and yet, you know, most of us let our fear get in the way, right? And don't get me wrong, your brain is smart and you've got these valid problems. But what I've learned over time is write down those problems because your brain also is smart enough then to figure out every single one of them. But yeah. a lot of people in the United States, they think of Mexico, the coastline, and they think, oh my God, there's these gangs running amok, right? Local governments, maybe corrupt like, oh, I've heard this a few times, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you have. So I'm wondering if those fears must have crept up and, and how you met them. Well, I think fear in general, you know, not to the point of the challenges of Mexico specifically, but fear in general is something that I've learned to use as an inner compass, you know, and this isn't like a terrifying kind of a feeling, but the fear that's accompanied by excitement. I've been feeling this as I start to do my presentations. I was on stage at the American Library Association convention. I've never done any public speaking in my life, right? Oh, no. So this is the number one fear of most people. And I was very shy. The jungle helped me find my voice. But luckily you started small. I mean, American yes. Library Association, nobody's heard of them, right? Oh my goodness. No, you, they were a very supportive audience. That's they were very sweet. That's good. Uh, but I was nervous, you know, I was afraid to go up on stage but it was that kind of fear that kind of points you in the direction of your growth. You know that as a person, that's the next challenge to embrace. And I think that I learned that on my trips in the wilderness. You know, there's a fair amount of fear that comes with, all right, we've got five days of food and water and we're just pointing the kayak south and going, you know, as far as we can get before we have to resupply again. So those are basic fears. 
But as far as Mexico goes, you know, just like in the U.S., there's parts we drive down from the U.S. every year from Vermont all the way to Mexico. And there are parts of the U.S. where I feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm really not feeling that comfortable here. You know, and I won't name geographically specific places, but there's just like any country, there are places you have to be smart. And this community here where I live in San Pancho Sailita, we're north of Puerto Vallarta, it is so filled with love and support. And this is where the Wildpreneur idea really came to life in a whole other way is there are people doing their little Wildpreneur business on every corner, you know, and there are expats from all over the world that have landed in this little community because I think the community essence has changed a lot in the U.S. with technology and you know, you're, I'm starting to see it down here too, but there's a lot of human connection down here and support and love. And so that's what I focus on. And of course, I speak the language of the jungle too. So I feel most comfortable in the jungle, but I think a lot of my guests would probably disagree with that sentiment. They get to the jungle and they go, oh my gosh, we're really in the jungle. (laughs) Yeah, it is called the Tailwind Jungle Lodge. Yeah. I love watching some of the videos as I was preparing for us to talk today. And uh, you are seriously in the jungle. And oh my goodness, is it beautiful. Just the every day. It's super lush. Yeah, we're so lucky. And having that green space, that green energy, I'm so grateful to live in the jungle and the natural world is where I find my inspiration. Obviously through my upbringing and that's carried on into life as as an adult. I still don't think of myself as an adult, but now that I'm a mom, I guess it's official. I like the idea... And I wish I had time to get to that, too, because that's a whole different area. But I want to talk about your brother for a second, because where it seems like your dad helped you dream when you're on that kayak trip, I really felt like your brother was a uh, was annoying, but he was really helping you take this kind of wild dream and focus it. Like, who's your target audience? How are you actually going to do this? Like asking some of the how questions. It seems like having those people in your life is pretty important, too. Yeah, he was my devil's advocate. And at first, I really didn't appreciate it. (laughs) Like, Rhett, just shove it. You know, I don't want to hear this. But in the end, it really, I think finding that friend who's a devil's advocate can make your business idea much stronger because they'll point out things that you won't have even thought of. And in the end, doing that in advance instead of getting into it and then realizing, oh, well, there was this really obvious flaw or, you know, issue. And so, yeah, finding your devil's advocate is a really good strategy. And I don't know if I'd recommend a family member because sometimes family, it hurts a little more. (laughs) And I've heard people say specifically don't have a family member because a lot of the time they love you and they want to protect you, which is why you'll never do the idea. You'll never do the crazy thing because they'll talk you out of it. Not my family necessarily. No, not your family. (laughs) Most families. But but you're absolutely right. No, I've heard this from Wildpreneurs I've interviewed is family is a tough critic. And they want you to be safe. And the life of a wildpreneur is not necessarily safe, you know, in the conventional term. And so when I call it wild entrepreneurship, it's not just wild in the jungle sense. It's wild in that it's you're going into the unknown. You know, you're blazing your own business trail and it can be a lonely road. And that was one of the reasons that I wrote this book is people need to know that they're not alone. So I'm excited to create this community of free spirits that are not afraid to blaze their own trails. The book is called Wildpreneur, and I'm assuming we can get it everywhere. That's the idea. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm a new writer, so I'm just learning about this process. My publisher, HarperCollins Leadership, has been fantastic. And it's on Amazon. I'm going to be speaking at REIs across the country, so that's a good spot to find it as well. You'll have to check out your local bookstore for it, and if they don't have it, then they should. Absolutely. Yeah, demand it. 
at the library, exactly. at the bookstore. <laughs> Absolutely. Tamara, thanks for taking a few minutes and talking Wildpreneur with us. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me in your lovely basement. Hey there, basement constituents. I'm your 2020 presidential frontrunner, Doug, hiding conveniently in the back of the pack so I'm not on the news and here where all the great candidates should be in their buddy's mom's basement. Just keeping it real, yo, kicking it. This is my election report and trivia segment, saving you time and money. You know, Running for office has given me a newfound respect for all the work that goes into a campaign. Can't imagine from the outside looking in just how much grind goes into this thing. Holy cow, don't even mention the price tag every time you ask someone for help. Hey Doug, where's the pizza you promised? Hey Doug, where's the wine you you promised us for putting out those signs? Uh, Doug, my kid has been stuck in daycare for three hours now. I mean people! Sacrifices need to be made for the good of the country. Where are your priorities? Both of our volunteers for this campaign are becoming difficult. Really a pee under my mattress. It's not like I'm made of money, which brings up today's trivia question. Which president's election campaign came with the biggest price tag? Hopefully one of us can find that answer. I'll be back to check on you right after this. I got to tell you, we have found just incredible talent, whether it's come to design, voiceover work, video introductions we needed, graphics, all the above at Fiverr. I was so happy when they agreed to, to work with us because if you're like a lot of people and you're starting a side hustle, the first thing that you need to do is look like a bigger business than you are. And Oh, gee, when I read Guerrilla Marketing, the fantastic book by Jay Conrad Levinson. By the way, if you are an entrepreneur and you haven't read Guerrilla Marketing, you've got to get on that because that is just the, the number one place to go for anybody who wants to know how to fight against companies that are much, much bigger than you are. And Fiverr is the centerpiece from that. Because one thing Jay Conrad Levinson says is that above all, your branding has to look professional. Sure, maybe you need to cut corners behind the scenes, but I always cringe, OG, when I see like a new restaurant in town and the word, we had one in Texarkana where the word restaurant was spelled wrong. <laughs> That's the first sign. Wasn't, of, that, wasn't that done on purpose? I, I certainly hope so. But based on the crayon, it looked like they put it up with. I don't think it was on purpose, sadly. You know, it's really funny that you talk about that because how many how many things are like that that would totally turn you off. I To say I seriously entertained it is not really true because I was at the very beginning of some due diligence. But I saw a, a franchise that was on Shark Tank. I watched it and I went, I will run this franchise. Like, this is amazing. I will buy this and this is perfect for where we live and the community that we're in and awesome. And so I go online, fill out the form. I'm sure everybody in America did you know, at the same time. So they've got really reasonable franchise fees and an easy operation. So I'm like, this is perfect. Like, this is something I could have like high school kids run. You know, I'm always thinking about business. And I got their franchise disclosure document and probably within the first page or two, there was a grammatical error. Like there, there, and there, or two, two, and two. Like one of those ones where you just go, huh? 
Yeah. Uh, interesting. And then there were more of them. There's a spelling error in, in uh, several pages later. There's a couple of other like homophone errors, like principal and principal, you know, just kind of it's the right word, just the wrong spelling, you know, type of thing. And by the time I got to like number six of those, I was like, I'm out. I can't deal with this anymore because if you don't have something in there that someone somewhere proofread the franchise document and could grammar check, I mean, Word, Microsoft Word can grammar check stuff for you if you just ask it to do it. It is amazing how easy it is. I mean, we work with Grammarly in the past. Grammarly has saved my butt so many times. And I know they're not sponsoring this episode and we're trying to talk about Fiverr, but holy, holy cow. Is it but it's amazing. another good example of those, yes. you know, yeah, looking relatively easy things that don't cost a lot of money to CYA. While you were talking about that horror story, I pulled up Proofreader on Fiverr and I've got Proofreader after Proofreader. And by the way, in many, many different languages, and I can see their score, how many times they've worked on projects for people. I can see their bottom fee. They're all right next to each other. It's super easy to see who does what. Fiverr's Marketplace helps you get more done with less. Fiverr connects businesses with freelancers who offer hundreds of digital services, including graphic design, copywriting, web programming, proofreading, and film editing, and more. Find what you're looking for instantly. Search by service, deadline, price, reviews, and more. You'll know exactly what you're paying for up front. No negotiating needed. 24-7 customer service. Quality talent you can count on. Sellers that work with some of the most influential brands in the world. And finding talent for your project has never been easier. Take five and check out fiverr.com and you'll receive 10% off your first order by using the stacker code SB. It's so easy. Don't waste any more time and get the service you deserve by going to fiverr.com code SB. Fiverr, it starts here. Welcome back, financial friends and hopefully campaign supporters and and, and, and future uh, electorate. I'm your 2020 presidential front runner, Doug, but you can just call me Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, for short. Polling shows that if I make myself seem more like a, a guy you could get a beer with, it'll tick up those polling numbers. So whoever said running for president would be a barrel of fun needs a lesson in honesty. And that's one thing you can count on me for keeping my promises. Most important of those being that I promised you that I'd deliver your trivia. So before the break, I asked you this question, which president's election campaign came with the biggest price tag? And the answer, what? You think it's me? Hey, look, no. While I can't put a price on all the love and support you've given me so far, I can put a price on how much pizza these guys have been through, and that's still wrong. The real answer, according to howmuch.net, President Obama's 2008 election cost a cool $1.3 billion. That's billion, making the most expensive election by far. Maybe buying a six-pack and a bottle of wine for these guys every once in a while ain't so bad, as long as it's Ripple, know what I mean? Anyway, time to go leave my fourth batch of voicemails today to potential donors asking for financial support. By my calculation, I think we're only uh, one... Point, carry the $1.2999999 billion short of the record and a sure 
seat in the Oval Office. See ya! I don't want to talk about campaign finance reform. Not a political show. Oh, come on. But it's so fun. $1.8 billion. I'm just going to leave that here. And we will walk on and talk about something else. $1.8 billion. Nothing else that money could be used for. Oh, my goodness. Is that a lot of cash? Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they put what you value first. I'm a big fan of the political ads right now, so I'm happy that uh, we have lots of those here in President's Day. It's just like the, how great it's, it is. It's, it's <clears> just like the Super Bowl, isn't it? You don't even watch the programs. You're waiting for the yeah, ad. We're just waiting for the for the next ad. Yeah. I have a very simple way to fix that. You just mandate that they have to donate half of their money that they spend or the equal amount of money that they spend on ads to like feeding the homeless or something very non confrontational, <laughs> like, you know, something that everyone would be okay with. Cause you can't, you can't have, you know, you can't plant trees cause that's offensive to some people, right? You can't, you know, there's all sorts of stuff. So you have to be really, really, really careful what rule you put in place, but feeding people, children in particular should be pretty easy to get across the board, but they can only be Republican children or only <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Democrats. They can only be Democrats. Yeah. I'm not feeding yeah. any of those Republican kids. Sorry. Yeah. 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 No, right. that's funny. It's spending more time with your loved ones and your family. That's what's most important. OG, come Which on. Which is what we do while we sit on the couch, yes. pining for political ads here on President's Day. It's why they- mattress ads. It's one of the two <laughs> things. It's either mattress or political ad. Have you noticed that it's mattress sale day for President's Day? Or it, cars. It, 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 there's a good reason to buy stuff today. I'm not sure why. Because you got the day off. That's why. Hey, you got the day off. Why not go blow your budget? Go blow $28,000 on a brand new Nissan. 250, (laughs) 250, 250. That's the payment. Because we talk in terms of payments, not not bottom line. Yes. You can afford that. Uh, It's your loved ones in your time. That's why they made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. So you can spend other time doing things that are way more fun than applying for life insurance. Their application is simple online, get an instant coverage decision. Their prices are affordable and all their policies are issued by their parent company, Mass Mutual, more than a 160 year old insurer. In the future, by the way, we're going to be doing some uh, spots that are success stories. People hear me say that all the time. If you've bought insurance through Haven Life and you want uh, us to talk to you, Joe at stackingbenjamins.com. I want to hear from some of our friends that have used their service. If they'd like to uh, pitch in on talking about this section of the podcast, but it's uh, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote. And today we threw out the Haven Lifeline to a bunch of you because we got on Instagram OG and we created a slider asking people, It is now a month and a half into the new year. How well are you sticking to your budget so far this year? Now, it's a slider, so I don't know the exact number because we're too dumb collectively here in the basement to do something that we can do easily on radio. So what we did was we created something where I got to kind of guesstimate. But if you had to guesstimate, everybody who hangs out with us on Instagram – 
say that that's where their budget is. Uh, Looking at this, it's you're in the ballpark, man. It's closer to 80. Believe it or not, people that listen to financial podcasts do a good job of sticking with the budget. I know you find that hard to believe. There are a few people, though, who have zeros and 10% and just looking at some of the numbers. And that has been me in in prior years. My budget this year going going pretty well. I've, I've kept it in check. What's been the biggest budget buster? We asked everybody. Mama Loves Shoes said kids activities. Man, I don't know about you, OG. You're you're there right now where it seems like kids activity, kids act. I'm sure that's got to be the budget buster for you. Or is it Can OG? I say airplane fuel? I was going to say, or is it OG activities? Yeah, this is an off season for us. Kids start baseball in a couple of weeks. So that'll be that. So, yeah. Not surprising, but medical bills, that'll mm-hmm. that, uh, that'll do it. Eating at restaurants, still doing it too often this year. Too much money on food, gymnastics, travel meets, new baby items. Between eating at restaurants and kids' activities, it's amazing. We're going to do more Instagram stuff in the future, hopefully not involving a slider where it's difficult to talk about. Head to Offline, Joe was really excited about this, by the way. (laughs) For all... For all you producers in the back corner wondering how it's going, he was really excited about about this. Can't wait for our Tuesday meeting to talk about this one. Head Mm -hmm. to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail, and we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to you. All right, that's going to do it for today. Hey, big thanks to everybody who's uh, left a review of this podcast to tell people what they're getting into It has been really fun to watch, OG, as uh, the show has climbed up the charts. We recently entered the top 50 on the Apple podcast charts for business podcasts. So you're welcome. Thanks to thanks to thanks to everybody who hung out with us uh, getting us there because we're all kind of there together, aren't we? Also, I got to say here at the end of the show, a big congratulations to somebody who is just on our roundtable, Sharita Humphrey. Over in the Houston area, she just won the NFEC Financial Education Instructor of the Year Award. Nice. National Financial Educators Council. And that award is set aside to recognize a single individual who's made markedly significant contributions to promoting financial wellness over the previous year. Uh, We'll have a link to when Sharita was on our show. She was fantastic radio and a great part of our roundtable here late last year. Also, big congratulations to our friends over at the Frugal Friends podcast. The ladies over there just passed half a million downloads for their young podcast. Nice, nice, nice job. And also our friend Jamila Soufrant and the Journey to Launch podcast. Uh, Jamila just appeared back on the new and noteworthy section of Apple Podcast, even though her show is about two and a half years old. Everybody that makes podcasts, OG, as you know, focuses on getting on that list when they're new, but you can also get on there because you're noteworthy and that's what Jamila did. So congratulations to her. Lots of, lots of success going on in the community. And finally, if you want to have more success with your money, how about that transition, huh? Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash OG because OG and his team are taking new clients. And so if you think you need to do better at reaching your goals in 2020, you can check out how he and his team can help by following that link. stackybenjamins.com forward slash OG. All right, that's going to do it for today. Doug, 
You got it from here, man. Doug 2020. What should we have learned today? Joe, I'll tell you what, I am all about serving the people. So you're damn right I'm going to tell everybody what they should have learned today. That is just the straight shooter I am. First, take a lesson from Tamara. Worried about your goals? Whatever they are, be a wildpreneur. Face your fear and go grab it. Maybe the jungle ain't so bad as you think. Second, take a lesson from Chris Cook. Pay attention to your downside and don't go all in on a single asset class. Better stay widely diversified so that you don't sink your own portfolio than bet on how the coronavirus or any other world event slash epidemic or slash whatever will turn out. But the big lesson? Joe's mom just handed me five bucks. Does that mean I can have a campaign donor? Or is that her expecting some pizza? It's pretty expensive pizza if you ask me. Get it in writing, people. That's the key lesson here. Get it in writing. Special thanks to Tamara Jacoby for joining us in the basement. You can learn more from Tamara at her site, wildpreneurs.com. This show is created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I swear the worst part about coming over to Joe's mom's house is having to put on pants. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. Big thanks to Joe's mom for clarifying that five bucks was to chip in for pizza. Still looking for my first donor, people. You could be it. Doug 2020 all the way. Welcome to the after show. This is the part of the show where we usually don't talk about finance anymore. So if you're here for financial discussions, we'll see you again on Wednesday. I thought that since it's uh, President's Day weekend, maybe you're getting up early and you got the day off and you're saying, I should watch a whole bunch of President's movies. I thought I would put together a list here and go through them with you. And you can, uh, in like 10 seconds or less... Tell me if I should watch it for President's Day. Well, and, and I've also pulled up the top ones according to IMDb. There's a surprising yeah, the, number. There's a yeah, surprising there's a number. number. 
Uh, but you're the movie guy, so okay. I mean, I'm gonna like most movies, huh? Uh, some of these you may recognize, and some of them you may not. So, so this list comes from, uh, well, just a random website called BeliefNet, whatever that is. I don't know. But anyways, uh, how about this one? Independence Day. How's that for a presidential movie? <laughs> Bill Pullman. Bill Pullman makes the best speech ever. It, it, have yeah. you have you seen it? Have I seen it? No, I never saw Independence Day. It's only been around for 25 years. Hold on, though. We got, I know you've got a lot of them, but we have to pause a second and hear the best president's speech ever. In less than an hour, aircraft from here will join others from around the world. And you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. Mankind, that word should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interest. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July. And you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution. From annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live, to exist. And should we win the day, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday, but as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night, we will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. Oh, let's go. Let's go fight some aliens, OG. Let's go fight some aliens. I'm going to go right now. <clears throat> Dr. Strangelove. That movie was weird. And uh, yes, uh, when you're riding a warhead... Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, yep. that part of the movie went off the rails. Yeah. Air Force One. Air Force One was the uh, Harrison Ford is the president. Han Solo. Yep. Han Solo. Yes. Fantastic action film. But, but, was that him as Jack Ryan or was he the president? He was the president? He was the president in that he one. He was the yeah. president in that one, yeah. Yeah. Okay. How about this one? Let's see if you got this one. Welcome to Mooseport. No. <laughs> is it Welcome to Mooseport? Is that one have Ray Romano in it? Yes, and Gene Hackman. So Gene Hackman's the former president, retired and decides to run for mayor against Ray Romano. Well, that's not really. Oh, he's the former president. Sure, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. that's where it comes in. All right, this one's a little borderline. Also, guarding Tess. I thought that was a great movie. Did you see that movie? I, I thought it was great. I, I mean, I saw it when I was in high school, and I thought it was good. Yeah, wasn't that funny? They're they're uh, Nicholas Cage on the. Uh, we're uh, king. Uh, they got any campees? Any campees? <laughs> How about uh, Dave? I thought Dave was funny and uh, and stupid. Uh, like if you're looking for just a funny comedy, that's where he is an impersonator, uh, impersonating the president. Yep. Well, he's a he's kind of like a body double, right? Yes. Yeah. It's supposed to be body double. Yeah, okay. but before that, he like would play parties and stuff, and they found him yes, because he was so right. uncannily like him. And then uh, yeah. they needed somebody to be the president. 
Have you seen LBJ? No, but that's on this list of uh, top films. Okay. I haven't seen that one either. No. How about The Butler? Ah, that's another movie that I should have liked. And it got a lot of great press going into it. Oprah Winfrey was a part of it. Um, uh, Forrest. Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, I felt the way most people did about that movie. A lot of hype and not as good as I hoped. 13 Days. Didn't see it. Really? Okay. Oh, I know you saw this one. You guys got lifetime subscription. This one, W. <laughs> I, I, I did not see W. I did not see Vice. I did not see JFK, uh, which is at the top. I saw Vice on an airplane. Yeah. Frost Nixon. I heard that was fantastic. David Frost interviewing uh, interviewing Nixon. How about uh, Lincoln? How about how about Lincoln? There's a good movie. Yeah, probably one of the better purely presidential ones. Yeah, Dan- right? Daniel Day Lewis, just fantastic job. Directed by Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. What else you got on your list? The American President. Uh, I really like that movie. Michael Douglas. Yeah, that's just romantic comedy. That was that was a fantastic movie. One that I always wanted to see. It's the documentary about the uh, Bill Clinton 1992 presidential campaign. Where, of course, right now in the election process, we've gone through the first two weeks, right? And if you remember, Clinton was mid to back of the pack at this point, and how they then ran forward. So, I love just any documentary movie. Yeah, 13. I know you had this one, White House Down. That movie was so stupid, and I laughed my head <laughs> off. And it's corollary, Olympus Has Fallen, Olympus Has Fallen 2, Olympus Has Fallen 3, and Olympus Has Fallen 4, you might notice are out also. Oh, White House Down is not what I what I thought it was then. Wait, uh, I'm thinking, what's the one that has uh, Zach, right. Zach Galifianakis? No. So White House Down is with Channing Tatum. Yes. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Jamie Fox. I hate to say this, but I did see White House Down. <laughs> yeah. And and I'm sorry that that movie was ever made. <laughs> and then like right on the heels of that, Olympus Has Fallen came yes. out, which is the exact same movie, <laughs> just with different people, Gerard <laughs> Butler. But then the only difference is that in Olympus Has Fallen, they made like four of them. I don't, I don't What's but there's this movie with Ryan Gosling called The Ides of March. I remember oh, it. Yeah. I remember it. I remember I went to see it. I don't remember anything about it. I remember like nothing about the movie. Yeah. So basically, um, one of the campaign staffers was having a little tryst with one of the candidates and died. And oh. the candidate was like, We gotta cover this up. And Ryan Gosling was like the chief of staff trying to figure out how to deal with that. And he's friends with a reporter, right? That he kind of has to lie to, but he really likes something like that. Yeah. Something. Yeah. I kind of get, get that. Yeah. Happy. So basically you can watch presidential movies till the end of time. You could, you could uh, just quit your job. I think we can watch Lincoln. I think that'll be on the list. I think Lincoln would be good. What's it rated? It is rated. Could your kids watch it? Uh, PG 13. Yeah, they could watch it. Well, Stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even 
when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. 